0: Hey, hey, it's Samantha Farley. Welcome back to our podcast. Today, I am interviewing Eric Williamson, who is a firefighter that lives with type 1 diabetes. And I ran the New York City Marathon with him with the Beyond Type 1 team. So make sure to listen to this interview because it is a great one. Okay, let's get into it. Hey everyone, this is Samantha Farley with Type 1 Tribe, an interview series with T1D leaders all across the world. Today, our guest is Eric Williamson, a firefighter with Type 1 diabetes. Thanks so much for being here, Eric.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: So tell us a little bit about you. Where are you from? Where do you live now?
1: So uh, born and raised in California. I currently live in Rockland, California, which is a suburb of Sacramento, probably about 20 minutes east i um, kind of like this here at Foothills a little bit as you start to go up towards like Auburn, and the trucking in that area. Um, been here for basically 36 years. So grew up in the Central Valley my entire life. That's awesome.
0: And You stuck with it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it, it, it's home. I, I work in Elk Grove, which is a suburb of Sacramento, about 15 miles south of Sacramento. So, yeah, my, my home base is in Central Valley.
0: That's awesome. So I know you have type one diabetes. So tell us a little bit about your diagnosis
1: story. So August 14th, 2015 was, I like to say it was the best day and worst day of my, of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, It was the best day because it answered a bunch of questions of what was going on with me, both physically and mentally. And then it was also kind of a tragic day because I realized, Oh, I have an incurable disease that will be with me for the rest of my life as of right now um but there were there was a lot of positive things that came out of it um so when i look back on it i had all the classic signs and symptoms thirst hunger uh urination weight loss um i probably had those for about 12 to 18 months whenever you look back on the history leading up to it um so when i got diagnosed they were trying to ask well tell us about your last three months and I was like, I've been feeling this way for a long time. And they're like, oh, so they, they had a hard time trying to figure out like when I actually became type one diabetic. Um, so a lot of it just became one of those things of like, well, we don't know when it happened. We don't know why it happened, but there's a lot of good tools to manage it. So we're wow. going gonna to offer you those tools to take care of yourself.
0: That's insane that it was that long. So you probably just got diagnosed, but it was a slow progress.
1: Yeah. So um So my A1C at time of diagnosis, I'm gonna bet it's the highest you're ever gonna hear on this podcast. Was 19.7. That's pretty high. So (laughs) their their direct quote was, "We don't know how you're not in DKA, and we don't know how you're not in a coma in the ICU right now." So they kind of started asking me about like describe your last three months. Um, Well, prior to being diagnosed. like we've talked about, I was a pretty active triathlete and I kind of just like maintained my exercise routine, even when I wasn't racing anymore. Mm -hmm. So their theory was that I was exercising myself out of DKA every day. They're like, we don't know how, how you've done this. We don't know how you'd be able to maintain this. Mm -hmm. But the only thing we can think of is you're waking up with super high blood sugar. You're hopping on your bike for two or three hours. You're coming down to a normal level and you're going back up throughout the rest of the day. So,
0: and if your, your pancreas was probably
1: still making a little bit of insulin. So if you're working out, it was probably helping it. Yeah. There was a trace amount still in my body whenever I was, whenever I I was officially diagnosed. Um, but yeah, so they said, all right, they're like, well, go home, take some insulin tonight, check your blood sugar in the morning. If you're not coming down, call 911 or go to the ER and get checked into the hospital. So went home, took some insulin, woke up the next morning. I think I was in the 300s. I got a hold of them. They said, okay. They're like, well, it's, it's high, but it's better than it was. So continue doing your insulin regimen that we gave you and keep checking your blood sugar and let us know. So after that, I was like, all right, well, I don't need to go to the hospital, but it just became a, a daily routine. So you just got your A1C checked by like your primary care doctor. Yeah. So I, I went in cause I, I, I honestly I got like out of the shower and I looked at myself and I was like I am super super skinny right now and mm-hmm. I was like I don't look healthy and a lot of my coworkers were like you haven't looked healthy for a while but I just had the blinders up and nothing was wrong and when I went in they ran some blood tests and I remember getting my first blood test back at two o'clock in the morning and waking my wife up going I'm gonna be diabetic I just don't know if I'm type one or type two and she was like, "Oh, you're fine." I'm like, "No, I'm, I'm going to be diabetic."
0: Oh my gosh, that's crazy! Did they so they tested your A1C, not like your actual blood glucose at that moment, or did yeah? They so do-
1: I, I, at that moment, I mean, they had my um, my fasting glucose from all the blood tests and everything, but they didn't check my uh, they didn't prick my finger. They're like just based on your A1C. I mean, my average blood sugar was 517. Um, wh- whenever they ran my A1C for those those 90 days. So they're like, we're not going to have to run any more tests. We're pretty much hundred percent. Sure. You're a type one diabetic. I can't believe they didn't send you to the hospital though. Cause that's very high. Yeah. Um, I-, I asked them about it and they were like, honestly, they're like, all we're going to do is put you on insulin drip. So take some insulin, go home, check your blood sugar in the morning, see what it is. If it's coming down, keep doing what we have you do. If it's not coming down, then come in.
0: Well, that's good. That saved you a lot of money because I was rushed to the hospital Yeah, and my blood
1: sugar was only 420. So, yeah, I mean, they, te- I didn't have any ketones or anything. They're like, we-, we don't know how this is possible. It must be your workouts. It has to be. That's the only thing that my endocrinologist and my GP could, um, you know, guess at.
0: but you were probably eating like sugar
1: during your workouts to give you fuel. You know, yeah. And you know, I was still fueling the same way and everything. I'd still, you know, take a goo every 45 minutes. So, um, you know, but you know, you, you ride your bike for three hours, you get off, you go run for an hour, you go swim for two hours, you know, your, your carbohydrates are still going to be depleted when you're done. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's just rebuilding those up throughout the day. It's crazy. So. so
0: does diabetes run in your family at all?
1: Nope. Nope. I, I am the, the, the sole person to be blessed with it
0: do you remember any like virus that you had maybe that could have caused it
1: no and that's what was interesting was like i said they were trying to figure Mm -hmm. out like well what could have caused this and they both of them kind of put their hands in the air and they said we honestly cannot see anywhere in here that something could have triggered this and and actually said a really good quote they said listen people are going to tell you how you got this or why you got this and the answer is they don't know. And honestly, we don't know. There's a lot of really good research going on right now. And we're trying to figure out what's actually causing this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it, it, it was reassuring to hear that from them. Um, it would have been nice to have like a, I could say, oh, this is what caused it. But it's one of those things to where that's why I say it was the best day and worst day of my life. You know, something tragic happened, but also some positives came out of it as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, you found a solution to feel better. So yeah. That's
1: good. Absolutely.
0: So how old were you when you were diagnosed? I
1: was 33. So 33. So I've been, uh, I'm 41 right now. So it'll be eight years, um, in August. Wow. That's crazy. Mm -hmm.
0: So how do you feel about being diagnosed as an adult? Because some people who were diagnosed when they were little think it's easier because that's the way they grew up. Like how, how is it for you?
1: So I have a very unique perspective on diabetes as a whole, whether it's type one or type two, because of my job as a firefighter. Um, I'm also a paramedic too. So a majority of our calls are diabetic related, whether it's low blood sugar, high blood sugar, um, people with renal failure, people on dialysis, because diabetes affects every part of your body. All right. So we see. So I see a lot of the unfortunate um, outcomes of mismanagement of diabetes. And I have three young, I, at the time I had two young kids, now I have three young kids. I have a wife, I have a career. So after I was diagnosed, like that day is like, I, I have to make a commitment to myself, both my physical and mental health, to make sure I'm healthy. So it kind of consumed my life for about six months after I was diagnosed to where I was testing my blood sugar 12 times a day. I was testing it every two hours to do what's called basal testing, where you kind of figure out how much you know, insulin to carb ratio, corrective doses, background insulin dosing and everything. So I did that for six months of trying to figure out how much insulin do, does my body need? Because we're all different. You know, we all, we all require different amounts of, of medication to balance everything out. And I'll say that after those last six months of doing that, my A1C went from 19.7 and it's averaged 5.7 for the last seven years. That's amazing. So do you eat? So it, was, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work.
0: I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, the first year is pretty brutal because you're yeah. just learning a completely new lifestyle. Well,
1: you have, like a, you have to think like an organ that thinks independently. Right. So you basically become your pancreas.
0: Yeah, and it's not as easy as just taking insulin and everything's okay. There's a lot more to it.
1: No, there, there's every day is different. There's highs, there's lows. Um, what I like to tell people, whether they have diabetes or not, is you can't change the past, but you can learn from it. You can apply it to the present and then move on to the future. Mm-hmm. And realize you're gonna have bad days, you're gonna have good days. Embrace the good days, learn from the bad days, but apply everything that you've learned to the future. Absolutely.
0: So do you try to
1: eat low carb or keto or, um, it's, it's hit or miss. Uh, I will definitely say even prior to being diagnosed, my wife and I ate a pretty well balanced diet, you know, a lot of lean meats, uh, vegetables and stuff with the one thing I do a lot, um, since diagnosis is I weigh my food. So if I am going to have carbohydrates, you know, I'll, I'll get the food scale. I'm going to have rice. I'll weigh out my rice. If I'm going to have, you know, pasta, I'll I'll weigh out some pasta, um, my coworkers are shocked when I show them what a, what a serving has of pasta actually is, and they're just like, "Don't weigh my plate." I'm like, "I won't weigh your plate. Don't worry." <laughs> those are and those so, are
0: two sneaky foods. Like they'll hit yeah, you
1: way later. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. You know, um, my kids and my kids and we love making homemade pizza, and I've, I've really like dialed in what our homemade pizza carbs are. Like how to extend my dose over, you know, a four hour period, so where I'm not getting these crazy spikes. Mm -hmm. so it's interesting the stuff you learn about yourself and how foods affect your body
0: yeah absolutely it is cool it's very cool it's
1: it's very interesting it's it's like a daily science experiment
0: yeah (laughs) so you mentioned being a firefighter yep how how long have you been a firefighter
1: I've been a firefighter since 2001 so I've been in the fire service for 20 years I started when I was 19 um, as a volunteer. And I've been with my current department since 2004. Um, and I've been a captain since 2015. Ironically, I promoted to captain the same year I was diagnosed.
0: Wow. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. So how was that transition, especially since you were a fighter fighter
1: before and now after? Yeah. What's so difference? probably the biggest difference is um, they really want to see like how your management is. So after I was diagnosed, um, I was pulled from the line and I was put into the office for six months. And during that time, I was working with our OcMed doctors and it was a lot. It was showing them data. It was showing them my, you know, my daily food log, showing them my daily glucose checks, showing them my A1Cs, showing them my, at the time, Dexcom data and my tandem and all that stuff. So really it was showing us like, how well can you manage this? Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, it, during that six months when I was in the office it was when I was doing all the beta testing and everything, and they saw my levels drop from 19.7 down to 5.7 and it, and it maintained that. And that's really what they wanted to see was how well are you managing this condition? Yeah. So after six, after six months, they said, all right, go back to the fire engine. I said, thank you.
0: That's awesome. So do you have to continue to update them with these numbers to make sure you're no. fine?
1: Nope. No, it, it's completely now kind of more of a, um, I guess, self-reporting. Uh, mm-hmm. We still have annual physicals every year with the department and stuff. And Every time I go in, I have to talk to the nurse. like, so yep, I'm type 1 diabetic. Here's what I do. Here's the technology I use. They do blood tests. They see what my A1C is. And they just say, you are doing better than some of your coworkers. So have a good day. Seriously, though. Um, <laughs> I was like, 5.7. That's a good number. Yeah. Getting hired is a little bit different in the fire service. If you are a type one diabetic, there's a few more hoops you have to jump through. Um, but it's still, they really just want to see management. So when I talk to people who are interested in the fire service, whether it's parents, kids, teenagers, adults, I always tell them, like, start collecting data. You know, make sure you're, go- make sure you're getting your A1C done every 90 days. Make sure you're going to your endocrinologist appointments and your GP appointments and you're going to, retina and all that stuff so if you go in and talk to a doctor you can say here's my packet here's everything I've dumped the last two years because it's really what they want to see is how well are you taking care of yourself
0: yeah absolutely wow that's that's fascinating and then you so you also mentioned that your a lot of your I don't know your patients is that what you call them (laughs) they're also diabetic so does that help since you are also one like to help when you get that call going in and knowing what to do
1: it definitely gives me a different perspective and gives me more empathy for them mm-hmm. because I had that perspective to be like, Hey, like what's going on? Let's talk. Um, you know, how are your A1Cs? How's this, you know, are you checking your blood sugar? Are you taking your insulin? Are you taking your metformin? Um, so the, the perspective is really good because it's, as you know, it's, it's a daily task, yeah. you know, it's a daily thing you have to do. And sometimes it's hard to, to do that daily task sometimes. So being able to connect with them on that level to let them know, hey, I know exactly what you're going through. Um, Talking to parents, you know, about, you know, their child that's a type one diabetic and letting them know, hey, like there's a lot of stuff your kid can do, you know, get him in sports, get him in this, get him in activities, fire service. There's a ton of stuff. So I think my level of empathy greatly increased for our patients after I was diagnosed.
0: Yeah, I bet. And I mean, even if you, had an emergency and you had to go like you know now to look for a cgm or whatever where you might not have known that before it
1: it is funny because we'll go on calls and people are like eric what's this i'm like that's just their insulin pump just disconnect it or it's like hey what's this right here or or we'll grab their phone and okay hold on okay they're okay so right here it's showing they've been trending low for the last like you know a couple hours and stuff and we have all our tools to check blood sugars and everything and we have our tools to treat low blood sugar and even mm-hmm. high blood sugar as well. So we'll use our tools as our diagnostic tools, but a lot of times we'll use the stuff they're using because they know themselves best right. um, to kind of ascertain what's actually going on. Wow. That's really cool.
0: So what would you say is like the hardest part for you being a firefighter at work with diabetes?
1: Um, I would say for myself, I think it would have to kind of just come down to is just it, it's really just monitoring and managing. That's one of the advantages to Dexcom and uh, honestly Tandem, those are the two products that I use because they because they talk back and forth. Um, they do a really good job of regulating stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, th- th- the biggest thing really is like trying to find time. Like if, I, if I'm on a long fire for multiple hours, you know, I carry, my, I call it my go bag, but it's actually a pocket of my, of my gear that has like some goo, some fast action carbohydrates. And if I'm starting to, if I get an alert, you know, pound of goo, throw in some glucose tablets or something like that, and then go back to work. Mm -hmm. So I think the biggest thing is just being aware of how I'm feeling both physically and mentally during some of those stressful operations.
0: Yeah. I can't imagine that. Cause I I mean, I work at an office, so it's a lot easier than like being
1: on call and in real life scenarios. Uh, A lot of it just comes down to honestly, is a little bit of preparation. Mm -hmm. You know, like like every day when I get to work, I have my go bag that goes into the fire engine. I know that in my turnouts, my front right pocket has all my stuff in it. On my wildland stuff, my front right pocket has all my stuff in it. Um, I'm very open with all my coworkers. Everybody knows that I'm a type one diabetic. They all know where all my stuff is. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll I'll definitely say to date. Uh, Since diagnosis, I've never had a low. So I've been very fortunate. In um, that's to where I've been able to catch stuff uh, before I, I dip down into that range and everything, um, and especially at work too. Like at work, I'm very mindful of where my level's at and everything. That's honestly one of the advantages the Dexcom, being able to quickly look at my phone and go, "Oh, cool, I'm sitting at 120. Let's go on our call." Or I, we turn the corner, there's a massive column of smoke there. Okay, we're gonna go do some work. Pound of goo. Let's go to work.
0: Okay. So you've never had a low, like you've never gone below 70.
1: Uh, I've never, I've never had a low that required like intervention in terms of like, you know, I mean, we, I was about to be really impressed. <laughs> it, it, everyone has times where they're, you know, they're below 70, eat something you pop back up. I've never had a point for require like intervention or anything like that. Okay. that's good. where I, where I, where I couldn't treat myself.
0: Yes. Okay. Whew. I was like, wow, what are you doing? I need to know your tips. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh no. Like, like i got to talk about the highs and lows that's just part of it.
0: <laughs> so what's your favorite low snack?
1: What's your go-to? I have kids. I have fruit snacks everywhere. Yes. Fruit snacks. And I will say, uh, a di- a type one diabetic's favorite holiday is Halloween. Cause you can always restock your low supplies from your kid's Halloween candy. Yes, absolutely. I was, I, we always sit down. We separate. I go, I go, dad gets all the Reese's pieces. Dad gets the Snickers. You guys can have this.
0: You can always play with it a little bit too, like act yeah. like you eat a snack <laughs> for your
1: kids. Yeah, they exactly. have to to no, you. you need it. <laughs> the kids know which bag not to touch in the pantry. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly.
0: So what would you say, kind of switching gears from the negative side of diabetes, like what's your favorite thing about diabetes or what positive things have came out of it for you?
1: I would say for me, honestly, it's learning more about myself it's learning more about um, like how my body responds to a lot of things, you know, whether it's food, exercise, stress, because our, our liver still produces glycogen. We still get a, a glycogen jump, dump during stressful situations, exercise. So it's been really interesting to see how different things affect you on a different day. You know, you can eat one thing one day, be totally fine. You eat the same thing the next day and you spike to 200. And you're like, well, nothing changed. We're like what changed in my body internally. Mm. So I think that's been really interesting to see um how we re, how everything's all tied together. You know, your mental health, your physical health, your diet and just how it affects almost every aspect of your day.
0: It does cuz when if you're high you feel that and if you're low you feel it. It's yeah. just, it is crazy.
1: Yeah, it's very interesting.
0: Yeah. Wow. So you already mentioned using Dexcom and Tandem. Yep. yep. So can you talk a little bit? Cause I am not on a pump Okay. Can you talk a little bit about like how they work together and how, cause what's called looping. Is that what it's called?
1: Yeah. So, well, so well, Tide Pod just got FDA approved for, for a closed loop system. It's the first like, quote unquote, like independent party to, to do that. Um, I've been on tandem and Dexcom. Uh, I basically got those about six weeks after I was diagnosed. So I've been on those exclusively the entire time. And I love them. Like they've been key to my management. Um, I I tried doing MDI when I was first diagnosed and with my job, it just really doesn't work. Like I can't carry an insulin pen with me to give myself a shot of insulin on the fire grounds, but my pump can either uh, decrease, increase, or maintain my insulin levels communicating with my Dexcom. So what's really nice about the G6 and with the Tandem T-Slim that I use in their control IQ function is those two things talk back and forth. So if I am on a fire and it's sensing that I'm going to go below 70 in the next, you know, 20, 25 minutes, it'll reduce or stop my insulin delivery altogether. And vice versa, if it senses I'm going to go above, you know, 180, 200, 210, it'll give me a, a little micro dose and then a little bit more of a micro dose. So it's done a really good job of not only um, controlling my A1C but also my time and range. It's um, so like my time and range averages about 93 percent, you know. And I and that's a, a lot of the work I did in the past, but also working with the technology. You know, I I like to call it a, a triangle. There's me, there's Dexcom, there's Tando, and the three of us form a triangle. And by us working well together, it, everything kind of manages manages quite well.
0: I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. I know I'm considering a pump for that reason, because it's so nice that it does things automatically for you versus me. If I'm high, I'm like running to find my pen. You know? What I
1: like about the tandem too, is they have several different modes. So like there's exercise mode, you know, so you can turn that on and it's going to reduce the amount of insulin you get. Uh, just, just, be, it's, it's preset. So it's set for a certain algorithm. Um, what i did during that basal testing time i figured out all my basal rates throughout the entire day so on the tandem you can set what i call personal profiles to change the amount of insulin you get at different points of the day so on my pump it changes nine times in a 24 hour period based on you know time of day all that stuff So what I did was I created a second profile, which is strictly a run profile. So when I know I'm going to go on a long run, 90, two hours, two and a half hours, I'll piggyback the exercise mode and my run profile together to even get a a more of a reduction in my insulin that I get. And since I, I figured that out, it's been like pretty stable across the board.
0: Interesting. Okay, that's a good transition into the marathon because I wanted to talk about. Obviously, we both ran the New York City marathon, yeah. <laughs> and running obviously and or any type of cardio is challenging sometimes with diabetes. Mm-hmm. So, how was the marathon for you, and did you have to?
1: Did you ever drop pretty low, or well, tell us about that? So, the marathon. I will say, um, I've been actively running and racing for about twenty years. Um, New York City was my seventh marathon. It was the hardest marathon I've ever. It was the hardest race I've ever ran, and it's my second marathon with uh, diabetes. I ran the California International Marathon in 2021. Uh, prior to that, had no problems. This race was just different, and I don't know if it was the conditions, of the temperature, the humidity. I will say the course was more challenging than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was a very interesting day in terms of how i think a lot of people performed i mean i i went in with two personal goals and by mile eight i knew i wasn't hitting either one of them and i was like you know what i just need to walk and like mentally and emotionally reprocess and remember why i'm here and i'm not here for me i'm here for a much bigger reason to show the world what we can do and how we can live beyond Mm -hmm. and by mile 10 i said if i don't start running now i'm not going to finish this race so I said so I said my new goal is to run to the aid station. I'm gonna to run to the aid station. I'm gonna drink some water, I'm gonna hydrate, talk to a few people. When I exit the aid station, I'm gonna to run to the next aid station. I love it. So that was kind of the mindset after about mile 10 was let's just let's enjoy this moment. Because it was, it was a super cool event. Mm-hmm. It was super cool to meet all of you and represent what we were representing. It was, it was, it was the most humbling experience and humbling race I've ever done. Um, but my glucose it was kind of a roller coaster. Like if I look back at my data, it was kind of I started like mid, like probably around like 150 um in the morning. And then it was just this roller coaster. It was just up and down, up and down throughout the whole race. And I don't know if it was the temperature, the humidity, um, the emotion, the stress. It was it was an interesting glucose profile when I finished.
0: It happens. You finish. Yeah. Though. That's all that matters.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know what? And, and we all finish. And it doesn't matter if you were three hours or six hours. The important part is crossing that finish line and doing the accomplishment.
0: I know. I'm so happy everyone finished. It was so great.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was super cool. It was super cool.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. So, kind of to end it here, do you have any tips, comments, advice for anybody that's newly diagnosed?
1: I think a couple of things that I've learned over my seven and a half, almost eight years of having this, um, this condition, uh, it is a physical, um, condition. It's also a mental, uh, condition too. Like there's a lot of mental health aspects of diabetes and there's a lot of really good tools to help you both physically and mentally. You know, like I, I go to counseling. One thing we've talked about is my diabetes diagnosis and how much it changed my life. You know, we, we talked a lot about my life pre-diabetes and post-diabetes and how different those are. And it's okay to go talk to someone about that because it is, it's a life-changing event. Um, and one of the big things that I've really taken out of, um, talking to people about different aspects of it is that diabetes doesn't define you, you know, whether it's type one or type two, it's what you do with diabetes that that defines you, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's kind of the mindset that I have now and my outlook for the future is, Yes, this is part of me. It'll be part of me my entire life. But this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do with it. You know, and for myself, I work in the fire service. Mm-hmm. I, I go out and I talk to people and I try and I educate them and hopefully encourage them and have empathy for them and let them know, you know, you can live beyond. You can do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, the only limitation you have is, is limitations you set on yourself.
0: Yeah. I love it. That was that was perfect <laughs> advice. I completely agree. And I totally agree with the therapy. I also go to therapy. And yeah. I think it's really necessary because it is a massive life
1: change. It, it totally is. Uh, My my counselor and I were talking how you basically go through the stages of the death. Yes. You know, okay. and but like, like for myself, I'm still working on, on the acceptance phase.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I've been seven and a half, almost eight years. I'm still working on that, accepting that I have this condition every single day.
0: Yep, me too. I, I think it gets harder, at least for me, it gets harder when you're around people who don't have it because then it's a little bit, it's more challenging to accept it. But I, that's why I love <laughs> doing the marathon with all of you because it's easier to accept it when you're around people who understand.
1: It's, it's always that little, um, that little like, thought in the back of your head. Like I have to think a little bit more than the average person. I have to, I have to look at that plate of food and run, run a real quick math equation through my head before I eat that. Yeah. You know, so and that's kind of where that, uh, I mean, I think they say the average diabetic makes 180 extra decisions a day than the average person. And if you think about it, it's, it's true. You know, mm-hmm. we look at, we look at life differently.
0: Yes. And so that's why it's okay to go talk to somebody about it.
1: <laughs> awesome. Uh, it, it was the best thing I did. It was yep. the best thing for me, my wife, my kids, everything. I agree. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for
0: being here, Eric. It oh, was great thank to have you. And we loved hearing your story.
1: I really appreciate it. It was, it was great seeing you again. Yes, you too. Bye.
0: <laughs> See ya. Eric is awesome, isn't he? Make sure to go follow Eric at EricWilliamson522 on Instagram. And would you like a gift on your diversary? Yes, a free gift on your type 1 diabetes diversary. Type 1 Tribe sends free gifts to everyone on their diversary. All you have to do is go to type one tribe.com and enter your information at the Diversary pop-up. It will ask for your name. It will ask for your email and of course the date of your diversity and you can expect a free gift from us. Thanks so much for tuning in. We will see you guys next week on our next episode. Bye.